0: As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 830 or 11, and for Bible study at 945. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. Some of you can remember the days when the choir didn't come down. And so you were right there all the time. And I, I would turn around and remember that you were there and wave at you. Well, I didn't do that, but I would preach preach to you. And um I'm just delighted to see you. God bless you. You sang so beautifully this morning. Well, open your Bibles, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I, I saw an article in the paper yesterday. Somebody tells me there's one in the clean paper today. The video and the nice words. I've I've been trying to figure out who who it is that y'all are talking about. But uh, he he does have my name and I am so grateful. I really am. Y'all are so gracious and loving and I appreciate it. In my last messages to you, I've asked you to remember how much Jesus loves you. I've asked you to remember the greatness of our God. I've asked you to remember the joy of being a Christian. I've asked you to remember the importance of sharing Jesus globally. I've asked you to remember the joy and the privilege of stewardship. I've asked you to remember the importance of defending the gospel. And I've asked you to remember the importance of baptism in the Lord's Supper. And last week, I was able to have the privilege of leading you in the Lord's Supper for the last time as your pastor. Next Sunday, uh, I will... Before my last baptisms as your pastor. And so I'm looking forward to that. We have some in both services. And uh, if there's someone here today who's not yet trusted Jesus, I pray you'll come and respond to the invitation this morning. If there's someone here who's trusted Jesus, but you've never followed him in believers' baptism, I hope you'll respond at the invitation this morning or call me this week that we might be able to baptize you next Sunday. So today I'm asking you to remember the importance of the home. Through the years as your pastor, I preached a lot of sermons on the home. I've done a number of series on the home. And so today, for the last time as your pastor, I preach to you and with you and for you about the home. This is for all of us. Someone here today may say, well, I'm single or I'm widowed or or some other circumstance in life. Is this for me? Yes, this is, this is for every single one of us, regardless of your circumstance in life. And so this morning I'm going to read the entire sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. That's a, a lengthy chapter, but it's very important. So I, I understand you may not want to stand again, but if you do, uh, please stand and honor the reading of God's word. Deuteronomy chapter six. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. These verses through verse 9, are the, the Shema, along with the 11th chapter, verses 13 through 21, and Numbers chapter 15, verses 37 to 41, Uh, The Jews call this the, the Shema, sacred to them. And it begins with, Hear, O Israel. So that fourth verse, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. "...tie them as symbols on your hands, and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant." Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord, your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord, your God, who is among you, is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord, your God, to the test as you did at Massah, be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said, in the future, when your son asks you What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders great and terrible on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. You may be seated. As we talk about the home today, it's good for us to remember that the Bible defines marriage as one man and one woman freely and totally committed to each other for life. Circumstances change in that it may evolve to being one woman by herself with or without children, one man by himself with or without children. But we understand that it is never two women married to each other or two men married to one another. Scripture does not change. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we find the children of Israel having come out of slavery in Egypt, now on the edge of the promised land, finding that the land is occupied, but promised by God, the land will be yours. Drive them out. I will be with you. The occupants of the land do not share Israel's view of God, of life, of purity, of family. One of the most stunning sites in all of Israel for people who are able to travel to the Holy Land is at Megiddo, where we find the several thousand-year-old ancient Canaanite altar upon which they sacrificed their children to gods that do not and did not even exist. Seeing it fully intact... From the way it was thousands of years ago, it gives one a cold chill to think about the unspeakable things that happened on those stones that are right in front of us. What kind of a people would kill their own babies? Question to ponder. There is a challenge that God presents to Israel. Obey me and build strong families. And so today, as we remember the importance of the home, I leave with you these thoughts from the text that we've read. And additionally, in a moment, a couple of things from Joshua. First of all, love God. Verses 1 through 5. Love God, remembering the importance of the home, love God, love God in reality, not in theory. And the reality is revealed in action. Uh, This is for all of us, regardless of your current family setting, we are to love God. And this love for God is demonstrated. It is demonstrated by showing awe and respect for God. It is demonstrated by practicing obedience as a lifestyle. And it is demonstrated by letting authenticity be clearly seen by your family and by others as they observe you. In verses 1 through 3, God says, obey. Obey. And then he lists some benefits of obedience. And in verses 4 and 5, we find a specific call to love God. The one true living God. In addressing the believer's home. In addressing Israel. God says, be distinctive. Be distinctive. You are not like everyone around you. You are different because... The Holy Spirit dwells within you, believer. We are to be distinctive. We are to be marked by obedience to God. We are to be marked by obedience to Scripture. Our standards are not culture-driven, but our standards are Bible-driven. And our kids, our children, will be able to see what we treasure. And what is it? That we treasure. We show, we demonstrate what we treasure. Do we treasure the Bible? Do we treasure God? If we do, we will be found reading the Bible. We'll be found praying to God and our families will see it in us as we pray and as we read. My dad was not a perfect dad. And believe me, his son was far from perfect. But I never had to question what my dad treasured. It was very obvious. He treasured God and he treasured the Bible. And he demonstrated it in many ways. But most vividly to me as a boy growing up was to see him every night when the lights would go out in the house Him kneeling by a chair in the living room and praying, calling out to God, reading his Bible. And I knew that's what my dad treasures. We show, we demonstrate what we treasure. My dad treasured his family, no doubt about that. My dad treasured sports. He did. He loved sports. Uh, He was an outstanding athlete, a trait that did not inherit he was an excellent football player, but he was a great baseball player. A left-handed pitcher with red hair and a fiery temper, and he could fling that rock. He treasured sports. He wanted me to play, and I did. I played, didn't play baseball, but I played football and I played basketball, but I was, I was nowhere near the athlete that he was. He treasured sports, but I never had to wonder does my dad treasure sports more than God or the Bible? Oh, no, I never had to wonder about that. Sports, yeah, that's important. We enjoyed it. We had fun. But number one, always, always God and the Scripture. I remember when I was a teenager that Atlanta got an NFL football team an expansion team, the Falcons. They went to Atlanta, I want to say it was around 1966. And that was a big deal for that southern city to get the Falcons. And so I, I thought, boy, wouldn't it be great to go to a game there? But I didn't really think it would happen because they played on Sunday. And then I remember one time my my best friend called me on Saturday and he and his family had four season tickets and he said, one member of the family can't go, would you like to go with us tomorrow to see the Falcons play the Green Bay Packers of Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr and, oh my goodness. And I said, yes, Uh but I got to ask my dad. So I said, I'll call you back. So I went in and my nicest humblest voice said dad can I can I go to the Falcons game tomorrow and he said it's Sunday I said I know and he said what time do they kick off and I said one o'clock and and Wayne's dad is going to pick pick me up at the church but dad he wants to pick me up at 11 because the traffic is terrible you know how Atlanta is and we had a little way to travel and so dad he wants to pick me up at 11 after Sunday school dad My dad looked at me and he said, nope, you're not skipping church for a football game. He said, now, if he'll pick you up after church, you can go. But if it has to be after church, if it has to be before church, no. Well, I called my friend back and I wasn't even going to mention the option. I just said, I can't go. And he said, why not? I said, I can't skip church. And so that would be too late. So he said, wait a minute. And I could hear him talking with his dad back and forth. So finally he came back and he said, OK, my dad said he'll pick you up after church. What time will that be? And I thought about the preacher and I thought, oh, my word, it, it may be kickoff time before we. So I said, it's usually between 12 and 12, 15. He said, we'll be there. You come out, we'll be there. I was petrified that the preacher would really go long the next day. But I think it's a favor to me. We went pretty short and I was out the door about five after 12. I just tell you that story because I don't know if I'd been faith. I don't know what I would have done if I'd been the dad. I don't know what you would do. But it vividly, vividly reminded me of what was most important in life to my father. Love God. Secondly, teach the word. Verses six through nine. Teach the word. Home is a classroom. There's a lot of confusion in our country today, isn't there? And one of the reasons is there are few moral absolutes. Very few moral absolutes. The Christian home must stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and Scripture as our sole authority for living. Now, I'm not here to lament today, but to encourage Christian families to make your home a classroom for teaching Scripture. Now, it's good to make sure your kids are working hard in math and language arts and science and history. But remember, none of those things can save the souls of your children. None of them. Remember what shows them life abundant and eternal. So it's not an either math or the Bible. It is both. But at the same time, we clearly understand there is a number one. That is God and his word in verse seven, he says, impress upon your children. And that word impress is an aggressive Hebrew word. It's not a passive word. It's an aggressive word impress upon your children in ways that will help them to remember those things that Scripture says. We should make it a natural part of conversation in our homes. That it's more than just sitting at a at a table with a laptop and a whiteboard behind us. That's that's really not the way it's done in the home. I mean I guess it could be, but the way it's done in the home is as a natural part of our daily conversation As again and again and again we say, isn't God good to us? Look what God has done. We love God in this house. We praise God in this house. Thirdly, show gratitude. Verses 10 through 19, show gratitude. Israel, you are taking possession of a land with wells you did not dig. Now, just dwell on that one for a moment alone. I've never dug a well. I've dug a lot of stuff, but I've never dug a well. I'm telling you, in those days, that would have been back-breaking work. And so God says, Israel, I'm giving you this land, and you don't even have to dig the wells for fresh water. They've already been dug. You're going to take possession of a land where you don't have to plant the vineyards and the olive trees and other things. They've already been planted for you. And you're going into a land where houses have already been constructed that will now become your homes. You don't even have to build or buy your home. I've already done it all for you. Now, Israel, don't forget me. Don't forget what I've done for you. An expression of gratitude is appropriate. And so in our homes, we model thankfulness. Babies are born selfish and self-centered. Yes, even your grandchild. They are. They're selfish and self-centered and they will stay that way. Unless they are taught and see another model. And so in our homes, we saturate the conversation with words like, I appreciate that, thank you, I am grateful to you. We express gratitude in our homes. God is pleased when we do that. Number four, remember blessings. Verses 20 through 25, remember blessings, the blessing of salvation, the blessings of baptisms, the blessings of births, the blessings of death when it ushers someone into God's presence, the blessings of marriages, the blessings of spiritual victories, the blessings of trials that make us stronger, the blessings of simple things like food and water and shelter in abundance. Blessings. I'm convinced, church, that blessings not celebrated will soon become blessings not remembered. May that never happen with us. When we move to Joshua, the 24th chapter, we find in verses 1 through 13, a long list of blessings, a history lesson, as it were, for Israel, and then picking up with verse 14 of Joshua, chapter 24, it says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates Or the gods of the Amorites. In whose land you are living. But as for me. And my household. We will serve the Lord. Then the people answered. Far be it from us to forsake the Lord. To serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself. Who brought us and our parents. Up out of Egypt. From that land of slavery. And performed those great signs. In our presence. He protected us. On our entire journey. And among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations. Including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord. Because he is our God. Joshua knowing their heart and nature. Said you're not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. He will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, OK. You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. And they responded, yes, we are witnesses. Then he said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. And on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law. And he took a large stone and set it there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord and said, see, This stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people each to their own inheritance. And then Joshua died. I close my message today with these three things. See. Clearly. See clearly. Let there be no confusion. Joshua is clear. Because God is clear. Fear the Lord. Reverence. And respect him. And serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away. The gods of the past. Why have you not already done so? Joshua implied. Do not leave in your home. Opportunities. For the flesh. Men. Are there some things in our homes. That need to go. That are opportunities for the flesh. Get rid of them. Choose purity. Honor. Respect. And reverence. And may I add. Fun. The home ought to be the happiest place. In the world. A place of fun. And laughter. And joy. Next. Understand consequences. God's grace and mercy. Are awesome. And his judgment is awful. There are consequences. To what we do. And what we say. That's why we teach our children. Don't touch a hot stove. There are consequences to doing so. That's why we teach our children. Don't poke something in the wall outlets there are consequences to doing that that's why we say to our children don't poke a stick in your siblings face there are consequences to doing so when I was a little boy I had a toy greyhound bus and it was about this big it was made of I know it was made of lead so I'm sure it was very healthy for me but they didn't know any better then and it was all metal except for the wheels, which were rubber. And I love that bus. And one day, my mom was trying to get my attention. I was seated on my bed. She was seated next to me, and she wanted me to put that bus down, and I wouldn't do it. I was defiant. So she was reaching toward that bus, and I turned my body away, and she reached her other arm around to try to get it, and I did this, and I hit her right here, that metal bus, and I had two consequences. One was the consequence of sorrow in seeing my mother bleeding and crying. The other consequence was when my dad got home and administered a spanking To me, that was richly deserved. There are consequences to our choices. Honor God and be blessed. Dishonor God, look out. So I close with one final point, and that is make decisions. So I've listed four decisions to be made. They all begin with an R to help us. The first is this, remember your commitments. Remember your commitments and honor them, your vows, your commitment to purity, your commitment to keeping your word to your children, such as little things that they will remember. I'll play ball with you on Saturday. I promise I will. When Saturday comes, keep your promise. Remember your commitments. Secondly, recognize God's supremacy. Recognize God's supremacy and model and teach that. Number three, realize this is spiritual warfare. The survival of your home, your church, your nation hang in the balance. And lastly, repeat your standards often. Repeat your standards Often, Israel had an an, an electric moment that we read about in Joshua chapter eight, when the children of Israel gathered in a valley between two mountains, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And, And while they were there, thousands of them, thousands of them in this valley, which is a natural amphitheater. They gathered there and they responded by repeating their standards and worship God loudly. We will follow you. And it reverberated off the mountain. We will love you. And it reverberated off the mountain. There is one God and we worship Him only. And it reverberated off the mountain. Ever been to a football game in a stadium with thousands of people and then all of a sudden in unison there is this roar of the crowd imagine being in that valley you would think that that would be something that israel would never forget and she would not fail to teach it to her children however we come to judges chapter 2 and it tells us that joshua died And they buried him. And after that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. How could there be a generation that would arise and they don't know what God has done? Nobody told them. No one taught them. No one impressed it upon their hearts. It won't be that way with us, will it? May it never be that way with us. We will. Won't we? We will together impress upon the hearts of the members of our family. The greatness of our God. And all that He has done for us. Let's bow together for prayer. In a moment we will stand together and Brother Gary will lead us in our, our song of invitation. Maybe someone here today who does not yet know Jesus. So the invitation is to you, to your heart, to slip out from your seat, to come here to the front. And to say to me, Pastor, I need Jesus. There will be a member of our staff who will slip over to the side there with you and pray with you that you might come to know Jesus as Savior this day. Maybe someone here, in light of the fact that we have baptism next week, who would say, I know Jesus, I've trusted Him, I've never been baptized. Can I be baptized next Sunday? And the answer to that would be yes. Whatever God lays upon your heart in the quietness of this moment, Will you come as we stand and as we sing? Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705. If you need prayer or need to talk with someone, we're here to listen, help, and encourage.